Welcome back to Discursion, Season 2, Episode 9. Just a quick disclaimer before the start, I do apologise for my audio quality during this recording. We've just started using Zoom and we're still getting a hang of the settings. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Discursion uh, Podcast. After a season break, this time we're going to be doing a mini-series on neo-noir, starting with Under the Silver Lake, with your host Stephen. And Dominic? We're doing a sort of mini-series. So uh, traditionally, we've, we've, we've tended to pick films that have recently been issued on, on Blu-ray and DVD that we've, we've been collecting. But because of this lockdown period we I suppose I anyway have been turned to um, see some films that have been released on on streaming some more recent films that maybe had a sort of digital premiere and that seems to have a bit more of a buzz about them because people aren't going to the cinema so streaming seems to be even more prominent than it was yeah um, so we've chosen to do chosen to do a mini-series on neo-noir. And since we can't go to... I mean, I can't go to my favourite cinema to watch at the moment, so... I know. Sob. This is the kind of... This is as close as I get, really, seeing these film festival releases on me. Uh, this this week, we're going to be focusing on... Um, um, what's it called, Dominic? Under the Still of a Lake. Exactly. Um, David Robert Mitchell's 2000 and... 18 or 2017? It seems to be listed as, as 18, but I think at the end of the film, the credits say 17. So anyway. It's possible that we, we have a sort of a Sundance print being released on the movie streaming site or something, which might have confused, confused between general that release and sort of festival release. I suppose it's worth uh, mentioning that David Robert Mitchell is... Well, he's not a David Mitchell that we know in Britain. It's... Uh, uh, well, he's not either of the David Mitchells, right? It's terribly confusing. Yeah. There's a da- yeah. David Mitchell, the comedian, David Mitchell, the novelist. Uh, neither of those. Neither he's, of those. He's an American director. Uh, this is his third film. So his um, breakthrough, well, not his breakthrough, his debut was The Myth of the American Sleepover, which is uh, like a teen coming-of-age film in the style of graffiti and um, Days to Confused, which I haven't seen no, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, but it seems to be referenced indirectly in okay. uh, this film because the uh, main character, Sam, uh, played by Andrew Garfield, goes to Sinespia, which is the Hollywood Cemetery Cinema, and sees a team and later meets the actresses from that movie. Mm. Um, and then after uh, his debut, he, he did have what you might call a breakthrough film with It Follows, um, which garnered more, more, sort of more, more attention um, in, in the mainstream um, as a horror it's, film. It's quite an interesting first three. At the top of my head, it strikes me as quite unusual to have three. Um, I was going to say three first films. I don't mean that. One's first three films. They're all generically really quite distinct. Yeah, I think that's. I'm sure, it's not unheard of, but it's quite unusual. Um, yeah. I would say. I suppose under, under um, Silver Lake is in the tradition of Hitchcockian sort of uh, mystery and the whole L.A. noir strand of film noir. You know, you've got yeah, like... sort of. 
it's kind uh, of I feel, I feel it's more in the strand of like specifically it's in the strand of the Hitchcockian mystery as in it's in the strand of the films which are supposedly like Hitchcock which in a sense aren't really like Hitchcock rather than it actually being like a Hitchcock film if that makes if that if that's not too convoluted <laughs> you mean like it's like a Brian De Palma or something um just I would put it in the tradition of those films which are talked about as having something Hitchcockian about rather than thinking that the most illuminating thing would be to you know directly compare it to Hitchcock that's well that's my reaction yeah um, it sort of doesn't seem like it's very like Hitchcock at all to me but I understand that the adjective Hitchcockian is yeah not 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 unhelpful you know yeah um, no I don't think it's unhelpful it's not consistently like a Hitchcock film, but there are sequences which just scream of vertigo. Yeah. Um, and the score in parts is very much like Bernard Herrmann's score, which you might get in a Hitchcock 50s film. Yeah. The plot itself is, is quite straightforward. If you see the film a couple of times, um, it, essentially man links together a series of clues and finds a secret underground bunker uh, bought by the wealthy uh, in order for them to supposedly uh, transcend the human realm after death. Mm. This is the series. And this is happening while he's also hunting down uh, the girl that he fancies. Um, yeah. But the film has all sorts of stumbling blocks that <clears throat> might get in the way um, on a first viewing, um, especially if you see a festival with a bunch of other films. Um, it can seem on the surface at least to be quite cryptic and yeah. there are parts which seem um, sexually problematic um, and you could be more or less sympathetic to the film um, on those grounds yeah um, I mean it strikes me as it's it's ultimately a sort of shaggy dog story isn't it that's what I which um, and, and, and even though we have all these indications of his uh sort of obsessive you know parent all these familiar themes of kind 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 the paranoid paranoid delusion and searching for secret mysteries it sort of takes on the rhythm that uh one led to expect that something will actually kind of come of all this and the fact that it doesn't um i feel is in retrospect sort of perfectly predictable and i don't mean that in a negative sense but as in that's obviously the kind of thing that the film is doing, but nonetheless, um, not unreasonably, right? For lots of people, perhaps that's not a terribly satisfying thing to get from a film is to sort of have a whole load of mystery sort of, or sense of mystery sort of built up and created and then to have it can kind of dissipated and sort of fist away. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be like the film sort of going wrong, but I, don't, but I think if you have that sense, I don't think you've misunderstood the film. I think that's that 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 is uh, sort of what it's doing. Yeah, uh, he, because because Sam goes goes hunting these clues, hoping to track down this girl and maybe to find some kind of fire truth, which is sort of what we're used to from narrative, you know, films that that, that, that there will be some problem that is solved. Or in film noir, there'll be some uh, mystery uh, uncovered, or the character will mm. you know, reveal something about their past. Um, but in this case, he gets to the end point. It's essentially laughed at for pursuing all of these clues. Um, it's been told 
by by one of the master masterminds, the songwriter, that he's he's wasting his life. Mm. There's there's nothing here for him to find, um, and also by one of the mega rich uh, uh, characters who wants to be entombed in the caves that Sam discovers that your life is just a series of small uh, sort of kicks of um, you know, small rewards, we're getting very small rewards um, uh, and that, that there is a higher sort of purpose that, that, that we are looking for that you will not be sort of privy to. Uh, yeah. in, other, in other words, the whole sort of um, process of looking at these clues and also the materials that the clues uh, belong to comic book materials, cereals, packets, adverts um, that are part of mass culture. Uh, are also being uh, sort of criticised. It's, it's quite vapid. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the film... I mean, this strikes me... I mean, it's sort of quite familiar territory and there are various other... Um, um, you know, definite, definitely Thomas Pynchon, you know, the novels of Thomas Pynchon is clearly something that's um, uh, very much behind this. Although I, I, I actually, as an aside, I, I, I found the first time I, I watched it I, I found it more sort of effectively uh, Pinchonian. I actually found that slightly, yeah, I found it slightly less effective the second time. Mm. But um, but I think that's clearly sort of something that it's it's going for. But yeah, it, it sets up this. I mean, I think I think sort of gives you a quite clear sense that the way that Sam is looking for meaning is not how meaning works. Um, but then the film still sort of traps you into hoping that it will have the kind of meaning that he's looking for. but It's something we think about quite a lot on the podcast, um, what, what films feel like on second or, or mm. viewing. Um, this, this film is a special case, but it, because it is a kind of a puzzle film. And the, there's a whole group of people on the internet who are trying to crack this film and look for clues beyond, which, yes. you know, beyond those exposed in the narrative. You know, just parts of the decor and um, markings on walls of uh, people are trying to decode. And so obviously getting pleasure from repeat here. Um, but is it possible that it will sort of some of the film's weaknesses um, mm. you know, appear, on, appear on second view? Mm. Um, some of the mysteries falls away, doesn't it? Well, it's, yes, it's rather interesting. Well, I don't know. I, yeah, I... I had that feeling and then I'm now wanting to stop myself again assuming that I know what kind of film it is because I think you're right that it's actually not really that confusing. It's a little bit confusing the first time but particularly the second time it's actually quite linear and it's got a relatively slow sort of pace. So I kind of, my first instinct is 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 to say it's not, it's not confusing enough because um, that's one of the things particularly about yeah this kind of Pinchonian tone that you know if yeah. you're reading if you're reading one of his his well you know the yeah one of his novels you know v or gravity's rainbow or something there's there's this sense that there's so much there that it's um you're never completely lost but it's it's you're teetering on the edge and it's on 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 the on the edge of um comprehensibility or just you know or sort of followability and yeah. there's always that sense in in, in pinch and there's sort of both there's the paranoia and there's the anti-paranoia. So, you know, there's the paranoia that everything is is connected, um, which is sort of a way terrifying, but also at least sort of is giving you a grasp on how the world works. And But then there's the, there's the sort of equal and opposite fear that, that nothing is connected. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm reminded of a, a, an old professor of mine teaching postmodern lit who said my students often say they can't follow this. And uh, this might have been in relation to pinching. They can't follow this. It's all too, it's too disconnected. And he said, actually, it's hyper-connected. Um, mm. But it might feel, it might feel, there might be a disconnect with you because you're being given more information than you can sort of digest. Uh, yeah. Sort of scrambling yeah. around trying to link all of these motifs that keep appearing, mm. which, which is, is, does a good job of putting you in the um, frame of mind of, of, of sound and film, that these, these images which keep, which keep flashing and appearing uh, uh, throughout. But the film is, is quite locked down in terms of uh, an, an image or, or, or a phrase will, will return, return later and it will lead to a sort of linear outcome, which is this uh, yeah, discovery yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the tomb in the, in, in the hills. And beyond that, it's more of sort of an epilogue and sort of explaining yeah. what this tomb is for. And the only, well, there are other mysteries, of course, that you can try and solve if you like, like the parrot. Uh, yeah. His name is Parrot, which is... Yeah, what do you think the parrot, parrot is saying? Some people have said he's saying Hollywood. There are bits at, uh, at the end where it really sounds to me like he's he's saying Oliver, but um, there are I other bits think, where it... I, think, I wonder if, it, if it's if it's a red herring. Yeah, I think it probably is. But yeah, so, no, but I, I do so. I do almost have that feeling that I, I, I wanted it to be more confusing. I sort of feel, or at least, I mean, not, I don't, not really necessarily sort of complicated in the plot, you know, but the sort of texture of bewilderment that I feel it's 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 clearly trying to generate and which I kind of felt the first time and was fairly enjoyable, but it felt was actually second time. It felt less intense, you know, and those films which do that sort of thing and really work, you know, whether they're, you know, whatever, Mulholland Drive or, you know, um, mm. there is a specific tradition of, you know, bewildering noirs in LA, right? I mean, the, you know, the sort of like probably the most, the most famously confusing mm. Sort of classic noir is the big sleep, right? Is which yeah. has that? I mean, which is perhaps a little bit overstated, but there's the anecdote which is always told of of Howard Hawks not, uh, you know, while shooting it, being puzzled about who killed a particular character and actually phoning Raymond Chandler and Raymond Chandler saying he had no idea, even yeah. though he'd written the novel. So you know that that sort of sense of um, you know, following the plot of a murder mystery itself being a red herring because it's about the yeah the texture of the experience and the characters and that kind of thing and then that seems to, i mean i mean lots of noirs are confusing but that seems to be or at least it's sort of become it seems to me to have come to sort of stand for that and it seems somehow significant i mean whether it's just accidental or that the fact that it's an L, that's an la film not a new york film you know the sort of confusions in new york seem to be seem to be different right there's, usefully, there's, there's... Uh, usefully foreshadowing our next episode um, <laughs> well we'll try and, yeah. um, you know I what think, I mean though that yeah, yeah there's so, something this... about you know and, and you get it in in you know in people people like Mike Davis's book about you know about LA I think there's that kind of something specifically bewildering about LA with certain the way certain things bump up against each other in a kind of incomprehensible way or at least so say some people. I mean, I think lots of lots of LA LA residents also get get very angry with this kind of thing because they think it's a it's a fairly it's a fairly stupid picture of LA. But anyway, there does yeah. seem to be that you know tradition, and then this film, and 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 then of course, of course, the Big Lebowski 
absolutely yes. inhabits that same thing in a in a comic you know what's you know combining it with being stoned which is sort of part of the same experience um yes. and this is another one in that in that tradition it doesn't it doesn't do the thing which you get in well you get in the Big Lebowski and you get in um in Here and Vice which of course is yeah, actually, you know, a pinch and novel doing this kind of thing. The particular kind of deflation where a whole bunch of absolutely crucial, you know, paranoid conspiracy theory uh, sort of solutions are shown shown to be to be simply coincidences or you know, you know, misinterpretations. Kind of, he's wrong about the fact that the girl is dead, but he's right that something strange is going on and there is a mysterious conspiracy, and it's not it's not left ambiguous. Um, he does kind of find a load of stuff out, you know, <laughs> um, um, which means it actually, yeah, sort of, when you get to the end of the film, it has less of that phantasmagoric kind of what was real, what was not real in, in a sense, because even if he can't do anything with it, he has found a whole bunch of stuff out. <laughs> yeah, he has. And he's an amateur uh, sleuth, but uh, he also is very successful, admittedly, and... Um finds out, you know, there's a whole secret world there in Hollywood Hills. Yeah. It's, it's fueled by um, paranoia. Whereas, you know, in yeah. classic film art, you might have a character who is, is maybe somewhat uh, scarred and, and, and very good at detective work because they are always on the alert um, you know, because of some past trauma. Um, because someone's chasing them. Um, here, um, Sam is just, just sort of overwhelmed by pop culture and starts yeah. to see signs in it. And then, yeah. of course, the, the key ingredient is, is psychedelic drugs. Uh, there is also fuel um, yeah. and the Silver Lake and allow for a uh, little sort of a vision but again that's something yeah that seems to be a familiar you know again there there's always the bit in the noir where the detective gets um you know either beaten up or gets sort of you know force-fed alcohol well as happens in north by northwest as well, you know but um and there's that sort of thing and then it gets turned in the 70s into into acid and part of that but yes and this happens in this when he eats the entire you know lsd um spiked biscuit but yeah is he more in that category of he's sort of a Jimmy Stewart character and it's like an everyday guy that, that gets caught in a strange I, situation but he's also uh, he's also got that kind of maniacal uh, craziness to him that, that makes yeah. him a good detective I sort of feel in a way what's most in, I, I did have, have the feeling again watching it yesterday that there's a slight bit of disappointment and there were a certain amount of things which just seemed to be over familiar you know i mean sort of structurally or like we know how these kind of things work and particularly um i couldn't like the this whole these all these themes that it's working with about conspiracy and paranoia so given that they've been so charged in the in the trump era mm -hmm. and the fact that perhaps i was missing things but i couldn't sort of see that that was 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 being dealt with kind of you know at all that seemed to be a missed opportunity, you know, opportunity or uh, an evasion. I wasn't quite sure. Um, as much as certain things in it are entertaining, I wasn't quite sure what it was doing that was 
different. And I think in some ways, what I, what I did think, though, and I'd not, I think the most interesting thing, which I think is is quite different, I'm not quite sure how to, you know, what to do with it, is is quite how unpleasant Sam is. Yes. I mean, um, he, he, you know, he, he finds some kids, uh, so sort of 12 year old kids uh, early on who've, who, who keyed his car and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of keying you know, other cars down the street and, you know, one, one of them is pissing on one and he like severely beats up, beats up, 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 up two of them, you know, and yes. that's, that, that's sort of put in as quite, you know, as a sort of beat quite early in the film where this guy who you think is a sort of, sort of comic loser is is something quite different and you start to laugh because the violence is a little bit excessive and then i think you sort of stop laughing you're like oh this is yeah um yeah he has he has an edge to him for sure um you know he's sort of sociopathic or something or i don't know there is something sort of deeply yeah uh and i think that is quite interesting and that is that is quite i'm sure there are there are connections one can trace and of course there's that in certain of the detectives and things but that I think perhaps that's what I find the most unusual about this film, but I'm not quite sure I know yet what to do with it or whether the film quite makes the, the most of it. I, I, I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Does uh, that tally at all with, with, with your experience or have we watched you know, two very different films? I found it problematic uh, because uh, on, on the one hand, he seemed to be someone who was just absorbing so much so 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 full of pop culture, some of it which I love, the, the references to Nintendo Mario, you know, and, and Nirvana, of course. Yeah. Um, so I kind of understand that obsessive behaviour and that sort of collector's behaviour mm. in the comic books as well. But there are the it also becomes that sort of obsession over details becomes something else. Um almost sort of out of boredom. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. there is there is a kind of there's a kind of anger and I wonder if you could call it sort of post post Nirvana sort of there isn't really a cause to be yeah. angry yeah. about. So he's just sort of angry with his the way his own life has gone. Um, and this is this is not to justify beating your kids in the street, but I wonder if that is an expression of of his own sort of self-loathing. Um, well, yeah, and then I mean, there must be a, there's a kind of allegorical dimension of you know he's he's kind of us as it were you know or he's a certain a certain generation or something. Yeah. Do you want do you want to have a look at a sequence? I thought it would be fun to actually look at something. Sure. Mm. I, I just thought the opening of the film, since it's easy to find, um, up mm. to the point where there's a scene change. So okay. sort of he's in the shop and then he walks home and then there's the squirrel. And yes. from the tree, and then maybe when he gets into his flat, we could cut it off there. Great, are you all done? The beginning is great. The beginning is <laughs> I really watching that again. Yeah, if the whole film was as good as that, it would be really. I, I, yeah, I'm just very. Um, I was actually very taken by that. Sort of watching he, it with a close so analysis in, head on. He's, he, it's good to look at these things in detail sometimes. We, he's he's in a cafe. And there's a long queue, as I'm sure is typical in East LA, for coffee. And on the window, it's, uh, it's uh, the, 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 the letters, beware the dog, and those are being scrubbed off by the uh, Yeah, but, but, and, and that's the first shot, but, but we're seeing it from inside, so it's backwards. So we have to, so we have to decode 
right at the it's not the hardest thing to do that you know right yes. at the beginning and there's a sort of joke of i'm not quite sure what the joke is but it, i do find it, it's kind of funny because at the end of the film you go back to the same cafe and the letters are there they're just like slightly faded so they've sort of completely failed to scrub them off which i don't know i'm not quite sure what's going on there but i i, I kind of found that funny yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh Yes, and, and there's and, and there's a certain and there's a certain kind of hipster. I mean, sort of everyone in there is about about twenty five, aren't they? There's kind of right. There's a there's a there's quite a sort of homogeneity, not so much of race, but of of uh, it feels like of age and social class. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then it, but you you get told something important about his character early on, maybe um, or maybe not. Maybe you're given the wrong idea. But while queuing for coffee, he's transfixed on one of the counter girls. And yeah. it's longingly. When um, he sees it in the same rate, right? Because he's trans he seems to he's transfixed by the by the beware of the dog message, and he turns around and he sort of looks at her in the same it's like he sees everything in the same <laughs> you know, he's sort of he's kind of permanently distracted, but also permanently kind of fixated, you know. Which Yeah. Um, it's almost like it's sort of it's his music video as well. I quite like it's not you know the beginning is sort of like being in a music video and then the music does become very kind of kind of Bernard Herrmann. There's some great low strings and all sort of stuff later. But again, it's sort of it's not as crude as sort of saying you know this music is in his head. But it's sort of the in fact the emphaticness of the music seems very related to his his. It's a sort of mismatch with his kind of also slightly blank expression as well as being sort of. He manages to be. It's a really good performance, even again in these couple of moments, right? While being obsessively staring, he's also somehow somewhat out of it, you know, somewhat vacuous. Um, yes. um So there's a sort of humour in the music. There's a sort of irony in in the sort of mismatch of the music that is overinflating, but also it sort of seems to soundtrack his life, you know. The music that we're describing is is quite a mellow rock. It sounds like the Lemonheads or something like that, but I think it might be. Uh, it's not the Lemonheads, but it's in that kind of vein in the cafe. Yeah. Um, and then it, as soon as he uh, leaves and starts to walk along that woodland path and the sort of woody rural area, the mm-hmm. sort of wild areas of Hollywood are um, cast in a different light. We, yeah. We get the sort of Burnesque. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mystery, uh, sort of orchestral music coming in. Um, yes, I mean, at. At the very beginning, it could almost be a it could be the beginning of a sort of a sort of a sort of misfits rom com, you know, right? Yeah. If that, yeah, he's he's a slightly sort of even in this social social situation, he's slightly sort of you know asocial or whatever. And yeah, um, what do you call it before the meet cute? When if there's a thing, when the when the when the lovers see each other or one person spots them for the first time. You know, yeah, it's that, it's that. <laughs> and then it swiftly then it turns gets... into uh, something else. It does, although and... it's sort of weird from the beginning because of that. Where the dog killer, yeah, uh, signage. You know, already there you've got the signs of sort of weird GNLA cafe. You know, the kind of thing you might yeah. expect to see in Mulholland Drive. No, it's and, definitely um... weird, but it sort of could be sort of, sort sort of quirky weird, couldn't it? It could go, but it could be sort of you know ultimately a kind of romance you know a kind of rom-com with quirkiness and then yeah but then when the i think when the squirrel falls from the tree you're He's walking home through the woods and a squirrel falls from the tree and looks up at him and it's yes. that dying moments as if accusingly or as if to say <laughs> yeah. 
you know, the storm is coming. Yeah. I think that's really, it's great. And that's really, because it's funny and it's over the top, but it's sort of intense. There's lots happening. Yeah, he's, yeah, and you've got, there's quite a lot about his character. I mean, you don't know very much, but there's, you sort of get quite a lot, I think, even without um, having to think about it consciously. Yeah. You know, his sort of, his filthy hair and his... It's sort of puncturing, and it, he does this throughout sort of puncturing that kind of obsessive sort of voyeurism that he has, you know? Uh, yeah. That kind of masturbatory is all weird. Exactly. Sexual mindset is being punctured by the yeah. sort of weirdness of, 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 of Abele. And um, then he... He enters the apartment building, walks along his corridor, and I noticed just this time there is an Amazon Prime package. Uh, oh, brilliant. I didn't neighbor. see that. Um, right. And later yeah. on, of course, he flies a drone with his friends. Yeah. Uh, drone has been bought from Amazon. They go and try and spy on yeah. a lingerie model who, you know, sort of, I suppose, uh, destroys any expectations we had by sort of bursting into tears and um, mm. making the man feel quite guilty. Or, or awkward. Um, well, just awkward, and that seems to be the sort of condemnatory aspect of that scene because they don't actually mention it. And yes, maybe there's an, there's a slight awkwardness, but then Sam just leaves. You know, you know, nobody even even comments on perhaps we shouldn't be watching now. Or they yeah, they just stop watching. So it's yeah. Um, other thing I'd like in this, which well, this first bit, which reminded me of other things, but I in the film I, I like there's um. Sort of subtle, I'm not sure that's quite the right word, but, you know, or at least sort of relatively subtle sort of um, disorientating cinematography, you know, there's things. There's a bit that, like, there's a couple in, in at the very start when he's looking at um, at Sarah and there's a shot of him and her, they have this, you know, it's this sort of dolly in, but with very, very sharp, um, sort of shallow, shallow focus. So, like, he, um, so a- a- Andrew Garfield and his shot and then, Sarah and her friend on the wall are like very much in focus and everything else is extremely out of focus but this doesn't change at all even though we're 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 moving in which is slightly weird somehow right normally in that kind of and then there's a then there's a dolly zoom after the um the squirrel which is sort of basically Hitchcockian and there are other things later that I noticed you know there are those kind of kind of pans with a, I guess it's a you know anamorphic lens or something. So so the people at the edge of the pan are always a bit weird, you know. Although the film is quite seems to be quite loose in its storytelling, um, we decided it might not. <laughs> the camera mm. work is very very technically accomplished. There's a variety of mm. techniques in um, You think of the of, of the zooms and the pans and the long takes, and also the camera movement itself the camera becomes kinetic in uh, one of the nightclubs they go to it's playing vintage pop and they're dancing on the floor Um, yeah the the performance the performances are are good i mean there's there's lots of lots of sort of sort of good acting and interesting things going on but they're not as i feel like the film wants them to be much more sort of arresting and memorable than they actually are you know, I feel it, it, it. He's meant to be experiencing a whole bunch of quirky characters, sort of unforgettable, sort of weird. And and I'm not sure I would say that it it necessarily kind of achieves that. You know, if 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 you compare it to when David Lynch tries to do equivalent things, right? So, you know, think of Lost Highway and think of you know like Mr. Eddie and when he beats up the the guy at the side of the road or the um or the the um 
whatever you know the pale faced man is called and 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 the whole I'm in your house scene you know these are the kind kind of vignettes that this film I think is trying to do right it's trying to have these you just meet these weird people and then they're meant to be sort of unforgettable kind kind of encounters um and they're just not for me not for the most part just not quite intense enough or sort of or just yeah, I suppose it's complicated by the fact that a lot of these characters belong to groups that are tr- tr- trying to fit into the LA scene, in which, you know, it's quite difficult to be unique or difficult to be new, which is part of the sort of rhetoric of the songwriter that he meets as well. It's also regurgitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult when you, in, you, in, you invoke a genre in a place like that. Um, mm, supposed mm, to deliver mm. on, on gravitas, you know, think about the, the tradition we're talking about is is, is LA confidential and the big Lebowski. Yes. And, yes. And, and, the and well, it's, it's a noir. No, yeah, that's a really good. It's, it's a noir thing again. I'm um, going back to the big sleep. You know, the, the the big sleep has that again. You have each, each each crook who you meet or each each minor hoodlum, and again in 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 that film, lots of them or or you know the. Um, when he when he goes in, in in into Dorothy Malone's bookshop, you know she's only in the film for like sort of four minutes, but she's unforgettable. You know, um, it seems to be in, in invoking that sort of structure, which there is something sort of noirish about. I mean, not that obviously any film can have a memorable performance, but there's something in keeping with if it is in this, which it is, right? This L.A. disorientating noir genre the sort of encounter the memorable encounter seems to be quite a important structural element of that I, th- I think it i think it is because the, the noir says you know there's something in the water there's something in saturn <laughs> you know the melodrama does it for the home and the west and does it for the wild west and the noir does mm. it for the sort of city streets and mm. so everyone doesn't become a suspect but they become sort of critical there the characteristics seem somehow mm. pronounced because they could be involved somehow. And they might yeah. be used to the hero, um, and so um, you, you need you need good casting, I suppose, and mm. you know, a good script to hold that all together. I don't think the film is is a weak film. I think it's a very good film, but I can see why you might find fault in it as as a noir that doesn't quite have that sort of network mm. of mystery. Mm. Cool. Yeah. We should probably wrap it up there. Cause Let's wrap cool. it up. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for listening to um, Discursion uh, podcast. And thanks for uh, rejoining us after a season break. Um, our uh, next episode, we'll, we'll continue the neo-noir theme. And we'll be looking at Uncut Gems, the Safety Brothers 2018 film. Uh, moving from Los Angeles down to New York and a slightly different tradition of, of, of noir and elements of, of, sort of crime, thriller, and mm. um, sort of gang violence. Um, so that'll be really exciting. Um, do um, subscribe um, on Podbean, uh, Spotify, and iTunes. And you can also follow us for updates on Twitter at Discursion Film. Thanks, thanks very much for listening, and we uh, look forward to seeing you next time. See you next time. Bye. It'll sure it'll go down like
Did you say go down like hotcakes? That sounds like like a... <laughs> it'll go down like hotcakes. Yeah. That that sounds like I've mixed I've messed up the metaphor. Is, is that the phrase? <laughs> Welcome to Discursion Podcast, the podcast that goes down like like hotcakes. Um... I guess it goes like hotcakes, isn't it? Well, anyway, maybe we'll yeah. we'll we'll innovate <laughs> with the uh, notion of going down like hotcakes. Um, I've no idea how a hotcake would go down. It would go down any differently from a cold cake, anyway.